Excellent, excellent. Welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, where we are worshiping Jesus Christ, living out God's love, and transforming community by the Holy Spirit. Today is May 14th, Mother's Day. It's also Teacher Appreciation Week. Um, So if you're a teacher or a mother or a mother figure, we got roses for you. And so make sure you don't leave this morning without them. We appreciate you. We're grateful to God for you. And God uses you mightily, especially amongst these people. Um, I've got a couple announcements for us. One of them is next week. We're going to be nominating our nominating committee. So that's going to be that's kind of fun to say. So don't miss that. The nominating nominating committee Sunday right after the service. We'll have a brief but amazing service uh, uh, meeting right after the service. And then check your orders of worship because uh, during the prayer, there's tons to pray about. There's tons that's coming up. Um, Yeah. Um, It all hits at once, right? That's the beauty of this community. We roll with... The highs and the lows. This is actually the anniversary of when our sister church down in South County had a shooter show up and a pastor took a bullet and lost his life. Um, This is the Sunday after Lewis went to be with the king. Um, So there's a lot of emotions in here. Joy, sadness, And God's big enough to hold them all. And I'm so grateful that each and every one of you showed up this morning. And we don't put a face on. We show up as is. And we worship a God that takes us as is. And transforms us over and over again into something beautiful and new creations. Um, I feel like we should... Greet one another in the name of the Lord, and then I'll call us back together for a call to worship. So stand up and give the holy fist bump, just because there's still some bugs flying around. And if my memory serves me correctly, please remain standing. Please remain standing, and we have a responsive call to worship. And last weekend we had a half-day women's Retreat was it called a retreat? It was called the learning day. I forget what it was called. Gathering, that's what it was called. And they learned about Psalm 139. So I figured it has knit together in my mother's womb in it. Let's use it as a call to worship. I'm the one, you're the many. Let's go. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And the many? I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Let's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth.
we go into a time of worship, and we prepare our hearts to receive uh, whatever it is we can learn today. I want to remind you, uh, today we're focusing on the concept of fear. And a lot of you don't know this about me, but in my teens and 20s and into my early 30s, I dealt with what we call generalized anxiety disorder. So I had major anxiety, uh, heart attack symptoms every other day, on and off medication, hit a lot of things, suppressed a lot of things, kept a lot of things in. Part of being a, a feeling creative person without an outlet or a safe space. And... Uh, in the last four weeks, God has really been dealing with my heart and the concept of fear. And one of the things that I have learned for myself is simply this. God is love, and perfect love casts out all fear. Now that seems like a simple concept, and yet we still experience fear, right? But there's a secret that we're told about in the New Testament. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the continual changing of your mind. Meaning, every moment is an opportunity to take one thought and replace it with another. And when we focus our minds on what is good, what is wholesome, what is virtuous, what is praiseworthy, that is actually referred to as the mind of Christ. And it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? Our responsibility as humans, especially as believers in truth, is to continually change our minds. And there is a byproduct that comes from doing so. And if I had time to expound on the amazing things that are happening as a result in my life of returning to that fundamental practice... I would take the time to share with you. But I just want to gear our hearts as we go into worship. And sometimes I think, like, we think, okay, here's a 10-minute segment of worship songs, and here's a 5-minute segment of announcements, and here's a 20-minute segment of sermons, and now we'll sing three hymns. And you get into these rituals without realizing that this has an effect. There's a purpose to all of this. Otherwise, what are we doing? When we sing a song like, No Longer Slaves to Fear, do you believe that? And why do you believe that? If you do. So as you sing this, really personalize this. Really allow yourself to surrender to the practical reality that fear is nothing more than fear. It has no power over you but what you give it. Don't be a slave to it. It has no ownership. You are a child of God, which means you are embraced, surrounded, and filled with love. Focus on that. Let's sing together. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies. Till all my fears are gone, I'm no longer a slave. 
Amen. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to ask Tim, would you stick around for a second? Nestor, would you come on up? And Justin Jagerliner, would you show up? Jagerliner, sorry, I've been pronouncing it wrong for three years. Uh, what was that? Oh, how about Edson, too? When I was growing up in a small town, Millis, Massachusetts, as a young boy, I moved a lot. Everybody probably heard, like, didn't that guy grow up in Texas? I was born in Texas, moved to Missouri, moved to Massachusetts, grew up in Massachusetts until high school. High school, moved out to California, and then got married to this lady, and then we circled the country a couple times. Round of applause to these young gentlemen. I was growing up in Millis, Massachusetts, and all we drove was Volkswagen Beetles. Uh, you know, we had five of them at one time. Two of them didn't run ever. We just pulled them off parts and stuff like that. But my neighbor, a guy named Stewie, his name was Stuart Schneeweiser. We called him Stewie. He was a much older brother, and he was restoring a Camaro, like one of those old Camaros. Beautiful, beautiful. Have you seen one of those things? Beautiful vehicle with the racing stripes in the middle. And I remember the day he was getting that thing going. He, he opened up the carburetor and he poured some gas in the carburetor. Does anybody know anything about the engine? It's dangerous. It could explode. But a lot of times when an engine hasn't been run or hasn't started or pistons haven't been firing... For that first time, you bore some gas in the carburetor to help the spark and go, and the thing starts going, and it sounds like heaven and earth are rumbling. You know what I mean? Children's message today is in part pouring some gas on a carburetor. We have a cross that was built by an Eagle Scout a couple months ago. We're going to cover that thing today. And so would you grab like a pile of them? No, yeah, grab a pile of them, like a bunch of them, yeah, multiple, and start handing them out with pens. And there's pens in the pew, too. There's pens in the pew. I love that you're wearing a lag wagon shirt, dude, and a Padres hat. That's my, that's my jam. Okay, we're going to hand these out and... I said, in part, it's to pour some gas in the carburetor because we want to cover this cross. But it's also, it's really important for us as believers to pray, right? And it says to, if you hide your faith, and it'll come up in my sermon as well. We're supposed to be doing God things for the world to see. So write praises for your mother or mother figures. Write prayer requests for your children. Um, The sky's the limit. You could just write help, right? Because some of us in this room are going through some Deep waters. And you know, yeah, we'll pause right now and start. But if somebody, we start doing the prayer and you want to put it down, you want to pick it back up during my sermon, I give you permission to write even during my sermon a prayer request or a praise. Ideally, you can mull it over, write something during the postlude, and then on your way out, that basket will be out there. I'll bring that basket out right now. Right after 
I pray for us. Would the students please stand? Would the adults just put a hand out and repeat after me? Go and learn the ways of following Jesus the Christ. And students, just point your hands out in every direction. You can even move them around. Don't poke anybody in the eye or anything. But just, and repeat after me. PCC. Worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And be blessed. Amen. Students are dismissed. Is everybody done writing? (laughs) Like a mother who cannot forget her child, like the father welcoming the prodigal son home, so God cannot turn away from us, even though we come week after week, admitting we have turned away from God's ways. Knowing we are God's beloved children, we come to admit our failings in order to be forgiven, to receive new life, and to begin again. Pray with me. O Lord, our God, you call us for a world where all will be fed. Join with me. And have dignity. But we find ourselves distracted by our own desires. You call us to seek justice and peace, but we are satisfied with injustice and discord. You call us to bring liberty to the oppressed, but we do not insist on freedom for all. Forgive us. Turn us to your will by the power of your Spirit, so that all may know your justice and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. We are God's children. We are loved, accepted, and forgiven. We are welcomed home again and again. Receive the good news and know that in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven.
Okay, it's nice. The song we're going to do today is a song, uh, a song of assurance, and I think it's very appropriate for the theme of the Mother's Day, because for the little children, what gives more assurance than a mother? And for us, the children of God, what gives us more assurance than God Himself? The song we're going to sing is called A Future with Hope, and it's based on Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11, 12, and 13. with hope. Jeff, I'm going to use this. Is that okay? I'll try and put it back right where I get it. I'll try not to pull your guitar down too. I got a lot of notes and I'm tired of dropping them. Have you seen me drop notes before? That's a usual thing. Nice. All right. We're in a series on First Peter um, and 
If we weren't, if you haven't been around, we've been talking about how Easter defines us as Easter people, which also entails being second Exodus people, being that Easter happened over Passover. We've been looking at this in, in semi a new way. Um, I grew up in the church and I never really thought of it as that. I've, I learned that Jesus atoned for our sins and forgiven. But I never really took time as a follower. And I don't think the church has taken time as a body, as a family, to look at it through specifically the lens that when Jesus rose from the grave... It was at the end of the Passover celebration. Basically screaming, you're free. If you follow me, you're free, like we sang about. There's no more, no more to fear. You're free. You're free. If, you're, if King Jesus is your Lord... You are not enslaved to the sin and you're not enslaved to this world and you're not enslaved to death. Death, where is your sting, right? And so we're continuing in First Peter and the reason we're looking at Peter, Peter is one of Jesus' two best friends. And this is later... Um, this is one of his later writings. So he's an older, wiser fisherman. And let's actually, yeah, let's turn our text, turn in our Bibles, and it'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible, to 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Now, who will harm you if you are eager to do what's good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is good, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not, do not be intimidated. But in your heart, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be God's will than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water. 
And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, proclaim your truth through me, your humble servant. May my words be quickly forgotten. May your words through me change us. And all God's people said, We begin our text, and he has just quoted, Peter has just quoted Psalm 34. And he says, be eager. Eager to do what is good. Do what is right. I used to have an intern when I was working in San Antonio. And he was heads above all the other interns. And it was for this one reason. Whenever there was a problem, whenever there was something that was not firing right in our worship service or in our discipleship groups, this intern is named Rob, Rob Garcia. He would would come up to me and say, Jason, put me in coach. Let me at him. Peter's saying to us as second Exodus people, put on this attitude of doing good, doing right. When I say amen at the end of the service, run out and attack people with good. Come back to that in a second. And then he says, Do not fear what they fear. Do not fear what they fear. How are we not supposed to fear what they fear? Notice it's coming off of do what's right, do what's good. So that's partially partially the answer. Um, Read that next verse. But in your hearts, this is exactly what you were talking about, right? But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as your Lord. Be subordinate to Jesus Christ. That's how we we don't fear what they fear. We realize that our Lord, Jesus Christ, has conquered. And he's going to get into that in a second. I want to read a quote from a guy named Herrick. Um, Here again, we see why the call to be subordinate is good news. Those who have no worldly image, honor, authority, and rule to gain or lose, to hoard it or defend, also need not be troubled by or fear what they fear. And he, he defines the people that are afraid, are afraid because 
They want power. Fear is the father of compulsion, of the instinctive drive to survive, conquer, and rule at all costs. There is no freedom in fear. I'll get back to this quote. Freed from such fear, God's people, that's us, are also freed up for the goodness to which they were called. So we subordinate ourselves or we submit to Jesus the Christ as our Lord. That's how we don't fear what they fear. Because he's going to get into, as we're in Jesus, we have absolutely no reason to fear. But we're also freed from fear to do something. What's that something? To do the good. To do the right in which we were called to do. And so then then the author, Peter... Excellent. He starts He starts playing this out in his mind. Okay. What if we, Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, are eager to do what's good? And at the end of the sermon or at the end of the service I say, Release the Kraken, release the PCC, go go love on these people, go do what's right. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid like they're afraid. They're afraid because they want power. They want to be in control. You have none of that. You hand over your life to your Lord and you submit to Jesus. And you do what's good. And you do what's right. What's going to start happening? People are going to start asking questions. Right? Why are these people loving each other like this? Why is this guy, this big hairy sweaty guy, friends with, you know, you know, why are, look around. We're pretty diverse. We're, we're all these different ages. We're all these different lifestyles. We're all these different desire, like favorite stuff. Who in here likes the Lakers? Who in here likes other teams? <laughs> right? If you, you could, there's all these ways to divide us. There's all these, but for some reason, we're hanging out together in this room on a Sunday. And Peter's saying, it's because our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's also saying, as you do so, people are going to ask questions. People are going to be, what is that about? We got Republicans, we got Democrats, we have, we have, we, there's all kinds of varying opinions in this place, right? But yet our unity says something to the world. How we gather says something. The way in which we're gathering says things. And so he says, there's going to be people that ask questions, but that's also a challenge. Are there enough people asking us? What are you guys about? I see some nods of no. 
And I, I agree with that. This is a growing edge of this community. There aren't, we're not being loud enough with our goodness. And he says, people will start asking questions. What is that about? And he says, be always ready to give a reason for your hope. And the word there is apologia, apologetics. Have a defense for your hope. And what's our defense for our hope? He says it in verse 18, which is the gospel, Jesus. But then also our goodness, our rightness. Because then he says, always be ready to have a defense for your hope. And then he goes back into, be so good that they can't hold things against you. Paul says that, right? As well as Peter right here. Am I reading the right verse? Is everybody still awake? Okay, good. (laughs) That's what he says, right? He says, keep your conscience clear so that when you're maligned, when people have problems with you, they can't come at you because you, you got your stuff together. You're loving. You're doing good. You're doing right. As a people, as a second Exodus people, we're living as free people and we're, we're loving it and we're excited about goodness. We're excited about doing right. People start asking questions and we double down. Our defense is, okay, look at me. Try and bring me to prison. Try and find some wrong in the way that we're doing things. And then the gospel, right? Oh, before that, he says, interjects. And it's been a thread all throughout this. Suffering's a part of it. Suffering's a part of the deal. We worship the wounded healer. We're going to heal people through our wounds. That's just part of it. And like I said last week, like, and I, like I've said every week in this, in this series, at the time that Peter is writing this, is it easy to be a Christian or is it difficult to be a Christian? It's difficult. It's really difficult. And as I was studying this, we have it really easy. So I was thinking there was another application that we as PCC should probably hear as we hear this. Pray for the persecuted church. Pray for the brothers and sisters that are on the front line losing their lives. For we can say out loud and not be arrested, not be... um, Not to diminish, because I have teenagers. Has anybody seen a teenager? They got to make choices that make them uncool on a regular basis if they follow Jesus as Lord. That's not a walk in the park. And then the gospel. Verse 18. We should tattoo this. We'll have a tattoo artist next, next week. And if you want this tattooed anywhere on your face, we will do it. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous, 
in order to bring you to God. That sentence right there, right? What's Luther call that, Sharon? The great exchange, right? The righteous, the unrighteous for the righteous. We walk up, all we got is our sin. We hand that to Jesus. Jesus hands us his righteousness and says, I got this, and gets nailed to a cross. And what's his motive? In the Greek, it's y'all. It's y'all. It's this church. It's this one people right here. It's this this second Exodus people. That's why he did it. To bring you, y'all, to God. Straight through the cross. And at the end of that verse, he springboards into this really interesting section in Scripture. Because look at the look at that last part of eighteen. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And I almost picture him running up on a trampoline and jumping into the spiritual realm, like jumping into what's real. You right? What does Paul say? He says, you know, our battles, they're not against flesh and blood. We think that the person we're yelling at is the enemy. That's never true. That's never, ever true. No one in here is the enemy. Who's the enemy? The evil one, Satan, the deceiver. Our battle isn't against each other. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not even against the bad guy. Human. It's a spiritual battle. Period. End. Full stop. And he uses it and springs boards into what really was going on on the cross. And it's super confusing. <laughs> like in 19, look at this, in which he also went and made a proclamation in the spirits in prison. And so 19 through 22, there's three different kind of interpretations, main, main ways they interpret this. And I get this from a guy named Scott McKnight, Fuller Professor. I think Malia had him, but she didn't read anything. Anyway, uh, it has led to three main views. There's the descent into hell view. This is where we get the text, you know, in the Apostles' Creed or whatever. He descendeth into hell. Remember? Anybody read that? Anybody heard that? I'm looking at people and they're like, no, I'm, I don't want to be here. But <laughs> stay awake for a second more. We're almost into this text. Okay, it's three main views. There's the descent into hell view, the pre-existent Christ view, in which Noah was a pre-existent Christ, and he goes down as, I don't really like that view. Anyway, the triumphal <laughs> proclamation over the spirit worldview, and that's the view I, I love. Um, I, I, and I think that's what Peter's talking about. And even Scott McKnight himself says, you know, um, they all end in the same pretty much main point. He says, few passages have so many themes and different ideas intertwined. It is no wonder that commentators have shaken their heads in despair. But the main point is not complex. Just as Jesus suffered as a righteous man and was vindicated, so too if the churches of Peter live righteously, as he has exhorted them to do, they will be vindicated and sit with Jesus in the presence of God. 
Such an understanding of this passage is a typical way of putting this section into focus with the previous verses. Do you follow that? All three of the views end with the same sentence. Jesus vindicates us. I like the way N.T. Wright looks at this passage and he says, you know, uh, have you ever put together furniture? Ikea furniture. Have you ever done it without cussing? That's a, sh- that's a sign of a real Christian. But I am not a real Christian by those standards. Uh, it's very frustrating. But how many of you, at the end of it, there's extra parts? <laughs> right? And he writes like, this is like those extra parts. What are we supposed to do with this? And N.T. Wright says this. He says, um, Peter introduces four new things here. There are these new parts. First, after his death, made a proclamation to the spirits in prison. Second, these spirits had been disobedient in the ways of Noah. Third, Noah's building of an ark to rescue his family points forward to baptism. And fourth, baptism is less about washing clean and more about the appeal to God of a good conscience. And let me read this. We should remind ourselves of what this passage is basically all about. It is an encouragement of people who are likely to suffer unjust treatment from the human authorities. Not just, in other words, from a random act of mob violence or casual brutality, but an official legal persecution. And the point that Peter is making is not only that this brings them into line with the Messiah himself. Your suffering, our suffering, points us and brings us in line with the suffering of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The point is that after his suffering, he announced God's victory over all, tanta, all, every authority, particularly the ones in heavenly realms. Remember when Paul says, neither heaven nor earth nor things under the earth, all that stuff? Peter is saying that right here. Jesus declares victory over everything, seen and unseen. He screams it, and he, yeah. Notice the baptism is a, is a pledge of good conscience. A brief word about baptism. Baptism then is also, this is from Herrick again. Baptism is then also a pledge of good conscience towards God. For in our baptism we renounce all the powers of evil, give thanks to God for our rescue from destruction, and declare our allegiance, trust, and love toward God and his Messiah alone. The community formed in the Messiah... testifies in baptism to the resurrection, exaltation, and cosmic sovereignty of Jesus the Messiah, who has gone into heaven and is sitting at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. Do you follow that? When we're baptized... We're not only declaring 
that God has made our collective consciences clean. He's declaring us victorious. And when he sits down, we sit down. Amen? We've got to apply some things. I just want to remind us of what we've been. Um, first of all, be good. Do right. When I say amen at the end of the service after the benediction, be eager to do good things. Remember Danny was talking right before his worship song. We're not playing church. This is boots on the ground. This is, as I say this, think about good things you can do. I'm thinking about doing dishes for my wife. (laughs) You know, I'm thinking about clearing paths and making my son's and my daughter's life better. I'm talking about making a stranger's day by paying for their meal when I'm going through a fast food food joint. Confession, I go to fast food joints. Uh, I eager to do good, eager to do right. Be ready for a defense. And part of that defense is you're wanting to do good and wanting to do right. The hugest part of that defense is know that your King Jesus has gone everywhere and declared you victorious. Everywhere on this planet, everywhere under the planet, everywhere in the heavens, in the spiritual realms, in the physical realms, think of a realm, invent a realm, discover a realm. Jesus has made you victorious in that realm. And on that, all of that, hear the words that Danny was saying earlier. And I think that's no accident. I think God has brought you here this morning to mainly hear this one phrase. You have nothing to fear. Nothing. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit. By your spirit, lead us to do that which is good, that which is right. Hold us close and may our lives be a defense of how true you are in our lives. Knowing full well that we will suffer, we lift up our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering. May they feel our presence and our prayers and know that they have nothing to fear, just like we have nothing to fear. And all God's people said.
says it in the bulletin, so I'm going to pray and thank God for these, for these tithes and offerings, as well as I'm going to announce that if you filled out one of those prayer cards that's going to go on the cross, leave the pens and the, those tags in the white basket in the back, and we'll make sure they get up on the cross. Um, that's out front. Has God been giving you what you need lately? Has God been giving you over and above what you need lately? Me too. And over these next, we'll first do a hymn, um, we'll do an offering right after this, and then we'll sing praises to God in the doxology. Over both of these, I would pray that as your offering, as it, as your spiritual offering. Make an inventory of your week and think about ways that you can plug in goodness and rightness into that. But for now, bow and pray with me. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, we offer ourselves, we offer our tithes, we offer our offerings. We pray that you would bless these funds and bring glory to your name through them. And all God's people said,
may be seated. We are reminded in Proverbs 9, God gives instruction to the wise, and they will become wiser still. He teaches the righteous, and they will gain in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Let us pray to the Holy One who promises us that he will go before us, that he will always be with us, that he will never leave or forsake us. So we need not fear or be dismayed. Please pray with me. Holy, merciful, and mighty God, we praise and honor you. We come this morning to pause from the activities of our life and worship you. We thank you for mothers and celebrate their importance in our lives and in our formation. We pray your blessing on the mothers in our lives, including all of those who have nurtured us. Father, we pray for a world in desperate need of you. We continue to pray for the country of Ukraine, protect its citizens and provide for their needs, being pre- Bring peace, we pray, to this ravaged region. Prompt Russia to pull away from their baseless assault and bring an end to this atrocity in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray, too, for a peaceful and just election in Turkey. Bring each citizen to the polls to have their vote counted for their country's best future. And Father, we pray for your peace between Israel and Palestine. The ongoing conflict pits neighbor against neighbor. In a region where peace has been elusive for millennium, may your mercy and peace rest heavily on each Israeli and on each Palestinian. We pray, too, for your mercy and safety for the people of Bangladesh and Myanmar, pummeled by a powerful cyclone last night, which has caused terrible damage. Bring international aid quickly, O Lord. And closer to home, dangerous tornadoes have wreaked havoc in Nebraska and Texas. Prompt neighbor to help neighbor and bring help quickly, we pray. Merciful law, Lord, immigration laws are complex, and many of us have differing points of view. But where we can come together is in prayer for the many men, women, and children who make perilous journeys to arrive at our southern border, searching for a better future. We pray for each one that you would provide for their needs and keep them safe. Gracious Lord, we pray for Maisie Lindsay and her family, grieving the death of her beloved husband, Louis, of 61 years. May your spirit of comfort rest heavily on the Lindsay family, and may they feel our love and prayers. Be with each one of us, too, that mourn Lewis's passing, and remind us of your hope that one day we will be reunited and with you. Father, we lift up Carter Macy and pray for him as he recovers from his procedure. 
May the anticipated results be favorable, we pray. Lord Jesus, we lift up Patty and Buzz and all those in our midst who are dealing with health concerns, including COVID. May your hand of healing rest on each one. Prompt us to support and help those in our congregation. Lord, we lift up to you and pray for nurses and teachers and their professions of service and sacrifice. Bless them and keep them. We pray, too, for Pastor Jason, Pastor Sharon, our elders and our deacons. May your wisdom and direction be clear as we step out in faith for you, Jesus. Our hope is in you alone. I pray the life verse that you gave me from Isaiah 41 over all of our spoken and unspoken prayers. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We continue worshiping you, Lord, praying as you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand if you are able and let us join our voices together with our final sending hymn.
just realized we didn't do one thing. Anybody missing Ma today? Yes. Me too. And uh, this is a space for that as well. Um, and as you were praying, I, I, remember, I, don't, I won't give you another sermon, but as you were praying, I, remember the movie Hook? One of my favorite scenes is right towards the end, the youngest girl character, I forget her name. Does anybody remember the youngest girl? Anyway, she's walking away, and she says to Hook, uh, Captain Hook, you're really, really mean, and you need a mommy. Did you, did you hear that? Uh, and that's another way that you could look at my, the challenge this morning of being eager to do good and do what's right. Like Cornell said earlier, is there anything more good and right than a mom? Go out to be mommies. I'm even talking to you guys. (laughs) Go out and be mommies to this broken and weary world that needs it. Receive this benediction. May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds today, tomorrow, forevermore. Amen.
right there. Micah just showing off. He is. I had my hands full. 